This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you, and it is minicamp week, Logan. This week, it's mandatory. We had to show up for this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, just like the players did, huh? Yeah. Uh, we already have the drama resolved. Chase Young, uh, it, they've shown a video of him at, at Media Day today. Um, he's there. Uh, Montez Sweat, Charles Leno, everybody's back in town. So we can skip the big uh, dramatic discussion about what happens if they don't show, what does it mean, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we can just go ahead and get on to what happened at the final OTA last week and some trends we're starting to see develop and we can preview what is going to happen on the field with everybody in attendance this week. And then back for week two after rave reviews, ladies and gentlemen, we will hit another edition of Nick's numbers later in the program, some defensive predictions for the upcoming season. Uh, So we'll get to that a little later in the show, but Logan, I want to, I want to put like a giant disclaimer on this first segment. I do not want the aggregators. I do not want the tweeters. I do not want anyone who hears the sound of our voices to freak out about the discussion we are about to have. (laughs) It is June 5th. We have been through six OTA practices. Practices, That's right. However, however, in those six practices, the way they have trended, there's some interesting things that have started to develop. Sure in very micro levels with the quarterbacks. Sure. Now, again, six this practice. is through six practices. It's the, all the data we have to go on. That does not mean that it is predictive in any way of the future. It does not mean it's time to sound any kind of alarm, panic, make predictions, really do anything other than discuss it. And you know, we have the, the knowledge, hopefully, to be able to put this into some level of perspective, give sure. some reasons why. But things have not been going great for Sam Howe. They've, they've kind of trended the wrong way. And it feels like Jacoby Brissett's getting a little bit more comfortable. Sure. Um, one, can you can you kind of color in those descriptions? Yeah. And two, give us a little bit of context as to why that might be happening in late May and early June. So I think there's kind of a little bit of like, this is probably how this was going to go. Like he came out the first three practices and looked like really, really good. Like look. He being Sam Howe. Sam Howe. Looked very sharp, on rhythm, on timing, balls out of his hand quickly, finding the open guy confident throws down the field you saw the release you saw the arm action right and then you get in the fate like week two of otas and the defense the first day of, of that period is team blitz right and we already talked about that on 
whatever, three podcasts ago, team blitz is tough for the offense because you're not game planning for the blitzes. You might discuss them. Hey, they're going to run a cross dog, but you don't game plan your protections. You don't game plan the blitzes. Just like they're running their stuff, we're running our stuff. That tends to be a day that favors the defense. I actually thought Sam had a pretty solid performance, you know, kind of getting the protections called correctly, um, you know, getting the ball out of his hand relatively quickly, didn't put it in harm's way, looked a little off rhythm, but I'd say on the whole, kind of a plus day for him, you know? So nothing nothing crazy, not bad, not good, kind of perfectly neutral. Second day kind of trended down again. And I think there's another reason for that is that I think this young secondary is playing really, really, really well. I think they're doing mm-hmm. a great job of matching concepts at a really high level. And I will say, like, when you go to practice and you watch individual, the defensive backs are walking through the concepts they're going to see for that day. And that's not unusual. That's not unfair. That's just how practice goes. So as they get more comfortable matching those concepts, it gets harder and harder. And so then on the third day, so the sixth day of practice, Sam, I would say, had a like not a bad day, but it definitely wasn't a good day and a day that he would probably want to have back. And the way I characterize that is he's holding the ball for a long time. He's not making confident throws. He's missing throws that he probably should make. Like he overthrew um, Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone. He had a, a ball to the flat that would have been a touchdown that he missed. And again, like they're not, I, I couldn't make the throw, but I'm not an NFL quarterback, right? Like they're not easy throws, but they're like definitely within the realm of his skill set. So I think a couple misses holding the football, um, you know, putting the ball in harm's way when he didn't have to. You can see maybe a little bit of frustration, like, not in his body language, but just trying to force the ball like in these tight windows, like that's tough. You know, and I, I think we had this conversation uh, last week is, you know, I remember Kyle would start to game plan a little bit for the defense we were facing just to help the quarterback out a little. And, and you know, Ron has said they're not game planning. The enemy said they're not game planning. But I do think when you do that, this is one of the byproducts of that, right, is that it, the windows get really small, the secondary is really dialed in, the linebackers are really dialed in. And as a result, you get a quarterback who's maybe not making the most the, the most consistent decision. So I think that's kind of what you saw over the course of those six days. Um, and I think again, it probably should have I probably should have expected it from Sam because he came out so hot that I was like, you know, he's he's a second year player. This is the first time he's got an extended playing time. Like it's it's going to come down, and so it did. And I'd say the last day was probably his roughest day. But again, like there's there's reasons for that. Like I remember talking to Kyle and uh, Sean when I was in training camp with them here and then obviously with uh, Kyle in San Francisco. And one of the things he always used to mention was like the day, the third day, the third or fourth day of, of install tends to be the worst day for the offense. Cause you've kind of reached like this neural limit for guys. And so he kind of developed a system where he'd say, we're doing three days and then we're going to do one kind of bonus day where we just kind of keep that same information and just review it. I don't think because they lost an OTA, they really have the luxury of doing that. So mm-hmm. they got to kind of push through. So they just keep adding stuff as they go. And again, that's an assumption I'm making just based on the quality of practice. And um, and that's the result. And that, that's something I experienced at every level of training camp or OTA that I was a part of. The third or fourth day, mental mistakes shoot up regardless of position. And it's kind of a bad day for the offense. And I think this kind of falls in line with that. Yeah, so a couple of things in response to that. One, um, or in addition to that, to supplement that, however you want to look at it. One, um, we've talked about the volume of plays they have in. And, yeah. you know, if that happens on offenses that are asking a lot less than this one is, then imagine what's going on in the brains of 
all these guys. Um, and, and you know, there's there's so much information, not just the the concepts, but where am I within that concept? As opposed to always knowing, like I'm the X. Like you might be the X, you might be the Y, you might be the zebra, or you might be as an X lining up in line. You might be lining up, you know, Y. You might have a a mid split. Like there's there, the enemy moves guys around. There might be a bunch. There might be a, a stack. There might be so many different things that you're asked to do from those different positions that is a lot to remember and is going to cause mental mistakes to go up. And then from that position, you might have the same play, the same, the same route concept, but if you're running it from a bunch versus cover two versus if you're split out, um, you know, in kind of a, a more regular split versus cover three, you're going to run the route differently. So there's just a ton of information for the receivers, the skill guys, uh, for obviously the, uh, the quarterbacks and what they're looking for and all those that you have to remember. And that makes a lot of sense too. I don't think any, like part of the, as expected is not just from he's performing really well. He's not going to sustain that because who can, um, unless you're one of the super elite guys in the league, which how is not no shame in that. Um, but it, it's also kind of by design of the drills, right? Like right. you can, if, if they wanted to design a practice where the only, the only thing that mattered was Sam Howell winning the day, they could easily, they yep. could do that, but that's not actually how he's going to get better, how the whole team is going to get better and, and how they should you know progress as a football team. And so by the design of how practice is each day, some days are going to be easier. Some days are going to be harder. And he's been kind of as expected each day given who he is and where he is in his career. Remember, this is not just six practices for this offseason. This is six practices with real reps as QB1 in his entire career. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he's going to struggle in some of this stuff. And the, the question that we'll have over the next three days of minicamp, all of which are open to the media, over the probably two to three days that they'll have next week, depending on if they call off the final practice, and then ultimately through a training camp is, do we see the same mistakes being made over and over again, or does he learn from them, not repeat them? And are they able to continue their expansion of the offense and trajectory of growth that we've seen? Um, even if it's not quite as rapid, uh, the last, let's say three days as it was the first three. Yeah. And I also think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think the other thing is like, you know, right now the way they've structured OTAs, and we've talked about this a little bit, it's all passing. So like yes. the defense has no, run reads really you know what i mean i think i think they've run two runs the entire time over six practices you know what i mean like that's it it was like the first yeah. day they ran two and then they haven't really run it since then so that that does allow the defense allows the pass rushers it allows the secondary to kind of fall into just covering passes right safeties can be a little bit deeper they can be a little bit slower on those play actions because they know it's not going to be a pass so i think that's another thing like this these are this is a very challenging ecosystem for an offense to be successful. I think you're seeing some of the byproducts of that. That being said, though, I, I will say that, you know, like Jacoby Brissett, for example, has I was going to say, why, why is Brissett sharper. seemingly getting better? I, I think I think a couple of reasons, and, and I don't know for sure. You'd have to talk to him about this. But th if I was going to make some assumptions or assertions, I would say, first off, he was working with the twos, right? And the twos are a bunch of younger players and a lot of undrafted free agents, a lot of guys who are kind of fringe roster guys. But those guys have gotten better. Those guys kind of understand contextually what the expectation is, how to beat certain coverages. And so they are, and I think they're pretty talented. Like, um, you know, the undrafted free agent uh, receiver out of Stanford, um, Brees, Brees is his first name, very, very dynamic. The kid from Minnesota State, 
very, very dynamic in terms of speed. Um, Tinsley from Penn State, all those guys look like they could contend for a roster spot, which is uh, kind of like, you know, in the same way that you were surprised about the, the tight ends last year during training camp OTAs and just how talented they were. It's kind of the same thing. They've got three guys who could be on the roster. So those guys are growing up and maturing each and every practice. I think having three receivers that you feel good about um, helps the quarterback, obviously. Having skill position players be where they're supposed to be is helpful. Um, Curtis Hodges is developing. Cole Turner is developing. Those guys are working with that group. And then you still get, you know, the occasional like uh, Dax Mills, who's had an excellent OTA period. Like those guys are playing better. And so that's one thing. They're creating separation. They understand concepts better. But I also think Jacoby just by himself understands the tempo and the cadence of this offense better. He understands how to deliver the football. He understands I don't need to wait on this. I can trust this guy, get the ball out there. And so he's played more football. And this is something we talked about when they signed him. We expected him to be better earlier. It took him a right. couple of days, right? But now that he's in a little bit more of a um, – it's it's a little bit more of a challenging situation for the offense, right? His experience, I think, is helping him out. His experience in this offense over the last, you know, six days, he's understanding it more. The young receivers are developing. The young tight ends are developing. And, again, I think that's a mismatch now at this point in the OTA, OTA period that favors him as the number two quarterback because they're playing better, but also he understands what's happening at a higher level. I think Yeah, he, he's also playing against the twos, correct? Which is yes. helpful. like, yeah. he's not just playing with twos who are good and talented and, and maybe better than you anticipate, but like, he's not having to face Emmanuel Forbes and, right. uh, you know, Derek Forrest and, 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 Percy Butler and, to, and to that all point those guys. about the free agent receivers is I think a lot of those guys are playing better than the other guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. Um, they're, they're, they're playing a lot better than the undrafted guys who are playing on defense. Correct. Yeah. And so I think that that's a big, uh, a big push, you know, and obviously there's some other guys like, um, the guy they signed from Kansas city, Tate, uh, is that his name? Um, the big receiver, number 19. Um, uh, that's no, a, that's Marcus Kemp. Kemp. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's played a lot of football and you've got some guys out there. Deami Brown has had an excellent, you know, OTA period. And, you know, he's had the kind of the, the big splash plays, but also some inconsistency, but the splash plays have been there. And so having, kind of a stable of like six, seven, eight guys who can make plays, win one-on-ones. Like that's a good, that's a good ecosystem for him. But I also think it's his experience that's also elevating them to understanding the timings of things are, are much, much better. So I think that's, that's also part of it. Something that Ron said last week about Jacoby that I immediately noticed when I was at practice is his ball placement is just incredible. Yeah, Like he knows exactly how to throw away from leverage, for instance, something that Sam is probably still learning at the NFL level um, and will continue to grow in. And again, that's fine. Uh, he's young and, and this is what May and June are for. And to an extent, what August is for, you hope that he's got a, that, a better handle on it by September. But when you talk about the ecosystem that we're talking about these very tight windows because of the lack of play action efficacy and because the defense kind of knows what's coming. If you can dot a ball exactly where it needs to be, and that's kind of what makes you good, that's going to play right into that skill set. Um, and so for Jacoby, the ability to know like, okay, this is going to be a tight window. They're crashing down from here. I need to throw away from leverage and having the experience to know where that spot is. And then the, the technical ability to repeatedly do it not surprising that that he's kind of thriving under these circumstances where sam who makes his game on a lot of other attributes um and is still improving in that area and doesn't have the experience necessarily to know is not necessarily doing as well 
on that experience and where it's coming from though i would say the most concerning thing for me watching Howell last week in the one practice and i think i mentioned this so i i apologize if i'm repeating this from from the thursday pod but i felt like at times throwing over the middle of the field he just flat out didn't see defenders um that to me is is more concerning because like you kind of got to understand the coverage versus okay it's really tight and i'm trying to throw it in there anyway if you just don't see guys like that's where you that's where you turn the football over but i'm also getting to watch it from the sideline without ever seeing a replay you have the actual yeah. film um is that is that an accurate assessment uh, i mean obviously it depends on the play but is is that something that kind of worth watching this week yeah, I think so. It's always something worth watching, especially with a quarterback who's a little bit undersized. It's always important to check that out. I do think that um, kind of to your point earlier, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up, like when guys are moving around like in a West Coast system like they normally do within the concept. So like, you know, we're in a bunch and on this play, Logan's the point, Terry's the widest guy and Jahan's the inside guy. The next time we run the same play out of the same bunch, it could be different people, right? And so there's different coaching points on like who sets the depth on the mesh or who, how deep is the sit or who are you trying to pull on this pull route to open up the dig behind the route. And I do think that there has been a little bit of kind of um, like not, it's not bad, but a little bit of um, learning, right? Like, you know, uh, Sean and, and Kyle used to say it takes three years to learn an offense. And I totally agree with that. And it's not like that. I know, I know the concept almost immediately when they install it, but there's nuance and details there that says, hey, versus cover two, I run the route like this, and I need to be on the same page with the quarterback. And versus cover three, I need to run the route like this because I need to open this guy up, and I need to understand the difference. And the, that level of detail takes a little bit of time, and so I do think with some of that stuff over the middle of the field, A, the ones are much better at matching it, right, because they just mm -hmm. are. They've seen more of it, right? And, and two, I think the skill guys are still learning kind of the, those that, that minutia that makes an offense really dynamic. And to your point about Brissett, the twos, the two defense is not as good at matching it. So the details aren't as glaring from the receivers. You know, like when I run a, a pin, um, a pull dig concept, like the linebacker, whoever it is, is jumping the pull every single time because they don't have the experience to know that, hey, he's trying to hit the dig behind me. Like when you watch Cody Barton, He's really patient. He understands that that's not that's not what's going to kill me. It's the dig behind me. So when so when Sam's trying to throw the dig over the middle of the field, it's a it's a very small window because Cody is sitting there, and that's he's right. That's where the ball should go. You know what I mean? But he's probably got to get a little bit more experience. Understand? I can manipulate that guy with my eyes, get him to attach to that pull route a little bit more, and then throw the dig. So that's I think kind of where some of that minutia comes in and some of that middle of the field stuff happens, but it's not just Sam, you know, just to kind of right. avoid that that's narrative. It's not Sam by himself. It's everybody learning the offense and they're playing against a defense that's been largely together for a very long time and is very, very talented. And really when you talk to defensive coaches, especially in the secondary, it's just, you know, there's only, there's a finite number of route combinations you can run and we just have to match them. It's just math. You know, there's only a certain number of route combinations you can run out of these four formations, and we just got to match them. And these guys have been together for largely for four years. They understand what they're expecting. Even the guys, the young guys, like Percy, a year, Forrest, two or three years, like it's there. Reeves the, is playing a lot. Yes, because, Reeves uh, is playing a lot. Now. That's yeah. right. And and so I think that that's something that when I look at it, I'm like, wow, like, you know, there's, there's definitely an advantage there because they have the details and the offense is still working those details out. And that's to be expected because it's a new offense.
Yeah. And that's such a good point too, just to kind of underscore it. Um, Sam not seeing a guy or looking like he's not seeing a guy that might just be because someone didn't run a route correctly, like, or a ball that looks high. Sam could have thrown it to the right point as the receiver came out of the break. He runs the route to shallow. Now right. the ball looks high, but it's because he ran it at 12 instead of 15. And if Sam anticipates and throws the ball when he's coming out of the break, he doesn't know that he's going to come out at the wrong depth. Yeah. So those kinds of things happen. And I think it's really easy to be, um critical of quarterbacks but that's why like someone with your knowledge or when i used to work with cooley like his knowledge you know if you know the offense well then you understand whose fault it actually is uh and, and where the mistake was made versus just assuming it's always the quarterback making a bad throw or not seeing a guy or whatever it may be yeah and it's not so much fault it's just guys learning yeah. you know it's just learning yeah. stuff well especially and, this time of year yeah, yeah yeah and so i think that like i think that was one of the things is like week one it's all new concepts for the defense and so uh, and again, so the offense, there's a little bit more space. The details aren't as important because the defense can't match them as well. You know, phase, what is this, you know, week two of OTAs, obviously that matching is a little bit tighter. The details become more important and the offense takes a little bit of a step back. So, yeah, Nick, uh, I'm so sorry that uh, we're going to explode all the, the Odyssey sports servers with all this nuance. It's so sexy <laughs> that the people are just going to be listening out the walls. Oh, look at them with their nuanced takes. <laughs> Our bosses are so mad right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right, so everybody's everybody's here now. Uh, everybody's at or in Ashburn. They have their physicals and media day today if they haven't done the physical stuff because they haven't been there for other parts of OTAs. Um, and, and then off they go on the field Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, there is no real difference. Um, hilariously, it seems like nobody knows this. We all have to remind ourselves every year. I've been covering the league for eight years. You played in it for 10. I texted someone in the PR staff. and He's like, let me double check on that. <laughs> we're, we're all just like, wait, what is the difference again? Uh, and, and the difference is it's mandatory right. versus not. The only other main difference is there's a little bit more time at the facility sure. allowed, which is used for more meeting time. And for a walkthrough, they're allowed a second practice. The second practice has to be at walkthrough speed. But just like OTAs, no full pads, uh, just like elbow and knee pads. Um, but no Not full pads. That. It's just, it's just. Uh, I think it's, it's just, like protective pads. Like you I can't see. wear like actual football pads, but like you can wear a little thing. So if you fall down, it doesn't hurt your knee as much. I think is <laughs> is what the way it's written. Um, well, it's not written like that. But the the, the protective elbow and knee pads. I um, guess, yeah. But you got that. 
no live contact. You are allowed seven on seven, nine on nine, 11 on 11, all that kind of stuff. You can do all, all the drills, but no contact of any, no live contact, I should say, right. of any kind, just like in the OTA period. So uh, knowing that, knowing that you have everybody there, knowing that like this is, this is the three practice period that means the most, what, what kind of are you looking for this week? What are the big things, as if big things exist in June? Yeah, I mean, obviously this is uh, – it's very, very, very similar to the OTA period. Like, it's almost identical. I think the biggest thing is just to kind of get guys in the building a little bit more. That's the hugest variable. Like, I remember when OT, when minicamp came, this, the practice structure is the same. Um, you know, there might be one period added or, you know, another period of individual, something like – superfluous added on but it feels very similar and then there's that walkthrough in the afternoon which is probably the big ad and like again to me that's important if i'm a coach if i'm a gm because i i'm just force feeding information to everybody as much as i can and we're kind of laying the foundation for season which is coming up here soon so that's the biggest difference in terms of things that i'm watching um you know they haven't been doing a ton of team but i'm really curious to see how just early early on how like wiley handles you know, a guy like Chase Young or Montez Sweat, because I see him, uh, you know, with, um, you know, James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill, and those guys have like a little bit of a power rush element sometimes. And it looks like it's hard for him to sit that down. Like, how's he going to be going against one of the best power rushers in the NFL? They can't, they, they shouldn't be doing that, but you can kind of see, you know, like how well he can sit it, things like that. They'll take care of each other. So again, how Chase looks, cause he hasn't been here. Uh, O-line rotation with Leno back. I'm curious to see how that looks. Um, you know, do they move? Because I think Corns actually look pretty good. So, like, do you kind of do a little shuffle here? Do you kind of mess around with uh, Leno at left? You know, maybe Wiley getting some guard reps and Corn working some tackle. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe. Talking about uh, Cornelius Lucas. Yes. Yeah. Did I say yeah, I yeah. just said Corn? Is that, sorry. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I was like, wait, who? Do they have a yeah. new guy that yeah. I missed? Yeah. Cornelius, no, Cornelius Lucas. Lucas. So like those are the guys that I kind of those are the things that I'm kind of tepidly watching and again uh, maybe the most important thing is just how Sam looks this week you know with the added walkthrough time and and um you know do they add anything that kind of thing so yeah I think the practice structure is going to be really interesting as you've mentioned there's been barely any run plays do they get to that this week um and what does that look like or do they just kind of continue on the hey like why are we going to install run plays when we don't even have pads on? Let's like get, yeah. let's get some of the more intricate stuff done uh, and, and, and spend and some that, extra time on it. To that point, like, sorry to cut you off, Craig, but like the, yeah. I, I've always thought about it from the context of the offense, you know, but I was having a conversation with a player a couple of days ago and he was like, man, I'm stressed out about our run fits because we haven't seen any runs and our run fits in this defense are really complicated. So again, like it's not just, you know, offensive, not getting to work runs. It's the defense getting to work run fits and kind of working to play off of each other. So it'd be interesting maybe if they had a period or if they had a walkthrough, you know, like if they have a period and walkthrough where they kind of work through some of that. When I was in Atlanta, we would do an offensive defensive walkthrough where you could, you would walk through all your run stuff and the defense would walk through their fits. So maybe that's another, an added element where again, you're not banging on each other, but you're working that kind of psychological thing, especially for some of the younger football players. So. Yeah, I think that's a good question for Rivera um, at the press conference on Tuesday uh, is before they get started. So will, will we see him? You know, obviously we'll find out when we get out there yeah. ourselves, but be curious uh, what he thinks of that. Um, obviously, EB's running a lot of this, um, but, you know, if Jack is like, hey, man, we need we need yeah. our run fit, then he's get, he'll, they'll they'll listen and they'll yeah. they'll figure it out. But the walk having that added walk through this week might be the exact place that that kind of stuff starts sure. to happen. 
Um, so I think that's, that's definitely big. You know, we've, we've seen a lot of third down and red zone type of work, uh, two minute work, especially they're, they're 11 on 11 periods. They've done a lot of two minute, um, from yeah. what I can remember and whatever, when I understand, um, so do they continue that or do they focus more on first and second down? Like how do they kind of sparse like, yeah. that up? Doesn't, don't you think so? Um, I feel like just based on having six days of about the same kind of emphasis, I guess what I'm saying is emphasis on situations. So emphasis on. Yeah red zone emphasis on two minute emphasis on third down why not you've had six days of that why not just continue that for the next three days of practice i don't know that's yeah i i i feel like i would i would just have yeah. that and then like hopefully when we come back to it in august like we might start with some first and second down but we come back to it and it feels second nature yeah um, and then you can continue to grow on it in in august uh and kind of grow from there so yeah i i like the idea of of doing and the situations are so important you know yeah. it, it's funny because in a way I feel, I don't know, I, the Warren Sharp strategy of, oh, just avoiding those situations. Right. Like, let's score on big plays. Let's not get into third down. Like, I'm a firm believer in that if you can. Um, but realistically, you're going to face those situations and they're going to win or lose your football game. So being ready for them seems, uh, I don't know, rather important. Yeah, and I guess kind of to your point about like what they could add potentially, in addition to kind of emphasizing those situations, which I, I think they will do regardless, is they might add like a move the ball period. And the reason they might do that is because like it just helps with like kind of the huddle logistics, like getting the play called in, getting the ball set. You know what I mean? Just so what working. do you mean by like a move the ball? Like so, a, a four minute or oh no? So like what? So what? Normally in practice, like you you the the drill starts on the twenty five yard line. Let's say we're doing team pass. The the drills on the twenty five yard line. We're going out from the end zone. The ball right. stays on the twenty five yard line. So in that situation, the the offense kind of stands right behind the offense, like the offensive backups and the coaches stand right behind. So there's all this kind of dynamic coaching happening immediately. The quarterback walks back and he'd be like, hey, man, you got to hit this. Da, 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 da. And I do think a move the ball period was always kind of fun for me because it showed me, A, what the coordinator was thinking, but also kind of cut the cord uh, from me in relation to my coach. And I was able to kind of be out there and kind of make decisions and make adjustments in the context of this move the ball period. It's 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 not a scrimmage because you can do it at kind of like a walkthrough pace, but it just allows you to kind of say, oh, hey, they're in cover two here. I got to run the route like this and just be a little bit more autonomous from the, the staff. The other thing it allows you to do is the rest of the practice is scripted. So at, you've seen the practice scripts, right, Craig? It's like play mm -hmm. one through 12 or 14, 15, whatever it is. And once you remove the script, um, it 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 tends to slow the defense down a little bit. It tends to kind of make them a little bit more cautious because it's not like it doesn't have a header on it. This isn't team pass. This isn't team red zone. It's just playing football. So it, it, yeah. it tends to kind of make the defensive coordinator a little bit more conservative and it makes the defense more conservative. So some of the stuff they've been jumping and really tight on over the last couple of weeks, the couple of practices is now all of a sudden a little bit looser. So that's something that if I was going to add one thing, I'd probably look at adding some version of that for one period. and in that if, if i'm remembering correctly jay used to do these like sometimes you know you kind of just act on the result of the play but also sometimes you don't sometimes yeah. it's like that was incomplete but we're moving the ball up anyway Correct. it's now second and three Correct. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just kind of um, work through and, some different and, stuff yeah and that way it's it's like semi-scripted the situations can be scripted but um the, plays, the plays aren't, aren't scripted, scripted so the play caller's got to yeah. call it and again the defense and it's good for the coaches too by I the think way so. I, I think i think so that if i was going to add anything and again it doesn't need to be headbanging it could be kind of the same format they've been doing a lot of passes and stuff but i i think that's something i would i would add if i was wrong or i would think about adding i'm sure they have so 
Yeah. Um, and I, for me, I'll just underscore, you kind of blew through this earlier, but like seeing what Chase Young looks like is massively important. Yeah, um, so. Now you're only going to see so much. There's no pads. There's the whole thing, but you know, does he look explosive? Does he, does he get his hands on a couple of balls? Like, you know, how's his pursuit, all that kind of stuff. You know, how are his teammates reacting to him? Um, yeah. Not that we're going to read too much into it, but like, um, I, I'm curious. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things are uh, over these next three days. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. He is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for the second time, back by popular demand, it is the one, the only, Nick Berlansky. Nick, Hello, there Nick. he is. All clean guys. shave. Look at this guy. I know. I've been staring at my unkempt face the entire time. And now <laughs> here, here comes Nick looking all beautiful, making us. Making it well, making me look bad. It is funny <laughs> though. Uh, Nick, Nick also does fit the motif of the pod. Great head of hair. Great head of hair. Look, and the, the amount of the amount of comments we get on the amount of hair on this podcast is well, you're there. A I'm, lot of I'm comments. Slowly working my way back, guys. I'm trying. I'm fighting a good fight, but hopefully, it can hang on for a little longer. It's I just getting it. a little bit more relaxed for you. That's right. A little bit looser, right? A little bit looser. That's right. I do feel like the back's gotten a little longer though. So the back just, has gotten yeah. longer. Yeah, it's 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 moving this way. Yeah, it's not actually losing hair. It's just shifting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Nick is here for another episode of Nick's Numbers, where we come up with, because we're too early on the sports books, although I'm sure you can bet them somewhere. Uh, but you are, uh, Nick, Nick is our, our resident bookmaker. Uh, he has come up with numbers. Some of them are based off of last year. Some of those are kind of based off of other guys in the league. I don't know the magic. I just know that this man has, has his numbers, and then we're going to give over or under we did offensive skill guys last week, so we got defensive players this week. Nick, take it from here, sir. I want to start on the defense by talking about the guy that led the commanders in tackles last year on defense, and that's Jamin Davis. He had 104 tackles in the 2022 season. So my question to you guys, will Jamin Davis finish with over or under 100 tackles this season? That seems easy. This is easy an easy one. I would take, I'd take this one. Oh, you go ahead, Craig. Yeah, it's. I mean, guys in the NFL, 150, 160, 180 tackles for the, the the guys that lead the league. I have to double check. There might even be something higher than that. Um, if as long uh, I as think, he's I think healthy, Foye, Foye Olakun led with 184 last year. Yeah, so like if he's healthy, that's really what we're asking here. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know he missed some time last year. He obviously his mm -hmm. role was a little bit different throughout the year. But once he kind of got into that Mike linebacker role, I mean, 
he's all over the place. Uh, you know, if this defensive line is healthy in front of him, he should be pretty clean to the ball. Um, I, that's, that's an easy one. Like I would say not to take your job, Nick, but like 145, 150 is a more interesting number. Um, I think so too. I, but, I, I, but over a hundred. Yeah. Done. I think over a hundred for sure. Just because I think, but I will say it's important to note that schematically this defense is kind of designed for the defensive line to make tackles. So he does have to take on a lot of blocks. So um, I, I still think just based on how he played the last, what was it, three or four games the last season where he's grading in like that 74 range on PFF, he's much more demonstrative to the football, much more instinctive, making some really, really nice football plays. I think if he can build on that, I, I think you're talking about like a guy in the top 15 of tackles maybe in the NFL. Like I, I think, again, he's very, very talented. He's got to stay healthy. You know, he's got a surgery that he's nursing right now. He had a surgery last year during the bye week. So it depends on if he's healthy, but I do think the table is kind of set if he can continue to grow. And, and I think we also got to talk about his role in the defense. Like if he's the mic, he'll be on the field. But if it's like, mm -hmm. you know, Cam Curl is your big nickel and then Cody Barton's the guy that comes in in those nickel situations, like he's not going to be on the field that much because this team tends to lend itself to more nickel situations. So I still think 100's low, but there are some situations where he's not on the field a ton. He doesn't develop the way we think where he's under that number. But I just think based on the last four games, he's in a better spot. Well, that was the thing is last year he was not on the field for a lot of situations. Cole Holcomb, though, had 69 tackles in just seven games. And he's yeah. like, that's the role. Um, ironically, Logan, you know who was 15th in the NFL in tackles last year? I have no idea. With uh, 136? Cody know. Barton. Oh, our guy. Look here he is. So there you go. Barton, another, they, could, they could easily have 200, 100 tackle guys this year. Uh, yeah, and it just depends on his role. It's hard to know <clears throat> right now because OTAs haven't, you know, like he's not been here. He's not been practicing. Um, but, like, I guess there is a world where he's the will linebacker and he's not on the field in nickel situations, which would be weird, I think. But it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, so over for both of us. Yeah, I think so. All righty. Let's talk about the defensive line that you mentioned. Deron Payne led all commanders in sacks last season with 11 and a half. Will Payne finish this season with over or under 12 sacks this season? Go ahead, Logan. Go I'm ahead and tell him why it's under. <laughs> I'm going to say under, and it's just, uh, you know, because sacks are so, there's so much variance in that statistic. Like mm -hmm. his pressure rate's pretty good, but his pressure rate was, this last year was exactly the same as it was the year before and the year before that. So he might have been on the field for more reps, but in terms of his win percentage, it's the same. And so when I look at that number, I say to myself, "There, that's just statistical variance. That's just him mm -hmm. getting home uh, three more times than he did last year or the year before. You know what I'm saying? So I think it'll come down a little bit just because it's, it's hard to get sacks. Like we'll talk about this in a minute with Montez, but I watched all of his hits last year. He had 24 hits. He was fourth in the NFL. And it's it's tenths of a second difference between a sack and a incomplete pass. And so I think he'll probably get four or five more of those this year. He'll probably be in that eight, seven to nine range. And everyone's be like, oh, it's a down year for pain. But really, everything is exactly the same for him. It's just the statistical variance of that sack of the sack statistic. Yeah, I do think it. I think it's going to be under um, for the same reasons Logan said. But I do think it's going to be interesting if Chase is back and healthy, right? How do, because if you've got to pick your, where you double team, right? Between Allen, Payne, Young, Sweat. Is Payne the guy you still let go? Like, do you, do you 
say like, all right, he's the one-on-one guy. Is it Allen? Is it sweat? Like you can only double team so many guys. And so someone's going to have one-on-ones. And that was kind of what happened with Duran last year is a lot of times they'd pick John, they'd pick Montez um, and Duran would have to win one-on-one. And then he did. And if that happened uh, or if that happens, then, you know, you're, you're still probably looking at, at a lot of those similar number of chances and can he convert again? And it could push that 10, 11 number again. Well, I think the likelihood that he hits that is is small, um, you know, because again, like, yeah, it's this. I, I get what you're saying, Logan, in terms of it's the same uh, as the years before. But if it's the same, then you could do the exact same thing again. Yeah. Um, so I, I would just say it's it's more likely based off the statistical probabilities, if you will, that it comes in a little bit less. Um, and I think after the season that he had, some teams are going to choose to put a little bit more attention on him, too. So um it's going to be interesting, but I, I think all like all across they're they're probably going to all put up pretty decent numbers, but I don't know that anyone's going to have monster numbers. And this is the thing I just thought about this. So assuming that the offense is better, which I think based on our last podcast, we both think it will be, they'll be playing with a lead a little bit more. Right. And then there's That's this, true. then there's this great secondary that they've kind of accumulated. And we've talked about how Forbes has developed through OTAs. We've talked about how Quan has developed in OTAs. Right. Um, and, and maybe some of those ones where the quarterback gets the ball out a little early, the quarterback's got to hold it for a beat. And so maybe there are just more opportunities for them to, A, rush, and B, the quarterback's going to hold the ball more because the coverage is going to be tighter. So, uh, you know, I think maybe. I, I think he's going to be under still, but I think like there there is a world where you have, you know, four guys with close to 10 sacks, and I think that would be pretty cool. And that's all – if the if the offense can support the defense by playing with a lead, and if the secondary can support the defensive line, I think there's there's definitely a possibility that, that happens. But I still think under for this. Yeah. Well, there's one defensive lineman that hasn't quite reached double digits yet, and that is Montez Sweat. You guys both mentioned him in that last answer. He's finished his first four seasons in the NFL with seven, nine, five, and eight sacks respectively. So is this finally the year over or under nine and a half sacks for Montez Sweat? Want me to go first? Logan? Yeah, I got it. So I'm going to say over. And again, I, I literally spent all day yesterday watching his hurries, his hits, his pressures. And I'm like, he needs, he just like his hits. So again, I would go back to the statistic. He was the fourth guy in the NFL in hits, quarterback hits. And quarterback hits aren't like, oh, I beat my guy, but I'm like two yards away and the ball's out. It's like, I am hitting the quarterback as the ball is leaving his hand. Like if he held the ball even a beat longer, it's a sack. So I just look at that and I say to myself, like, if he has a comparable year to last year, gets, but converts on three of those, four of those, like, he'll have 12 sacks. And it's just how close he was so many times over the course of the year. And we mentioned the coverage. We mentioned the offense. I just think he's going to have more rush opportunities. Who do you double team? If Chase is playing at a high level, like, I just feel like the opportunities are going to be there for him. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that I will also go over um, Del Rio talked about it last week, like finish plays, make money. And yeah. uh, in the money making year, <laughs> then I, I think I think Montez will figure it out. And and it's not just that it's OK, it's time to make money last year. Oh, he wasn't motivated like it's year four. Um, we saw what happened to Ron. We saw what happened with John in year four. Like you just are a more experienced player. And if you have to get a half a percent better. One, all the external factors, uh, you know, Chase's presence, uh, the improved secondary, more rush opportunities, all those types of things that you mentioned. Also, just his own improvement. If he got a half a percent better this offseason, considering how close he was last year, yeah, that could be three sacks. Yeah. So um, I think that 
I think that uh, over on on ten for Montez is uh, a safe bet, but a good bet. Yeah, I, I feel good about it too. I mean, again, there's no no way to know for sure, but that one feels like he's he's due. You know. Yeah. I want to shift gears a little bit here and talk a little bit more about the secondary because Derek Forrest led the Commanders in interceptions last season. He had four. I want to ask you guys, will Forrest finish with over or under three and a half picks in 2023 with the new names also going to the secondary for the commanders? That's that's, that's a, a tough that's one. a good one. That's a that's a good number. Yeah, that's whatever, a, what was the, a, yeah. I'm not I'm not betting that one. The the tackle the tackle <laughs> I mean, one was the, tough. The tackle one was tough, Nick, and this yeah. one is is right on. Um we're gonna take it, Craig. Yeah, I'll take a stab. I'll go over. Um I do think there's just a general emphasis on creating turnovers and better personnel in doing it this year. And I think that, you know, you add a guy like Emmanuel Forbes, who is not only going to intercept some balls, but is going to tip, you know, a lot of balls. Um, you have some of the other guys around, you know, Cody Barton, a little bit more speed. Um, obviously he was productive last year in Seattle. Can he get his hands on a ball that falls back to Derek Forrest? Um, I just think they're going to be more opportunities. You talk about Logan, the, the, offense being better. Perhaps they're playing with the lead a little bit more. You think of the first pick that Forrest had last year was the only turnover they had for what felt like yeah. four or five weeks. At the beginning of last season was on Trevor Lawrence, forcing a ball late at the end of the Jacksonville game in week one. So I don't think it's much over. Um, I think Forbes does lead the team in interceptions. I don't know if that's going to make oh, wow. in, in your numbers guy. somewhere, uh, Nick, but I, I will, I will take th at three and a half. I will go over. Yeah, I don't like betting turnovers, just period, you know, um, just because I think there's a lot of variance there, too. And I like we don't really know his role right now. Like, I think there's That's a strong true. push to get Percy on the field more. Does that compromise his ability to get turnovers, especially if Cam's healthy? Like, I don't know. So um, I would say under just because I think there's a lot of variance to turnovers and I'm not sure he's going to be on the field as much as he was last year. I think he's going to play well. It's going to be, be good, but I don't think he's going to get three interceptions all right there we go fair enough one of those extra names or added names that have come in this offseason is emmanuel forbes last season the seahawks rookie receiver or sorry rookie cornerback Tariq woolen tied for the league lead in interceptions with six will emmanuel forbes finish with over or under five and a half picks in his rookie season over I, you no, you want to say yes so bad. You want to say yes so I did. bad. I did. I just did say yes. I said over. Oh, I, I, mean, I won't say I didn't hesitate, but I, I uh, hesitated slightly. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. Um, I just think that he, like, there is a natural skill set there. That I'm not saying he's gonna be awesome in terms of he might get beat on some double moves. Like, there could be sometimes like he gets sunned because like an AJ Brown yeah. is a massive, massive human being. And, uh, Emmanuel Forbes is, is not, uh, but there is a ball Hawk ability that he has. That is not just like a man to man. He's hard to beat. He's, he's handsy, all that kind of stuff, but he has an understanding in zone coverage. That's really high level. And he hasn't even played a game yet. Um, you see it on the practice field. Um, if you watch the, you know, you're welcome commanders for the plug, but you watch the commanders log YouTube show, um, the behind the scenes stuff with him at the combine and his interviews and all that kind of stuff. The coaches were blown away at his intelligence. And so I think that stuff matters a lot when it comes to creating turnovers. Can you be in the right place at the right time? Can you bait quarterbacks? I think he's got all of that. And um, I also think he, like teams are going to try to test him. They're going to be like, ah, oh, it's the, the skinny rookie kid. Like, let's go after him. I think the opportunities will be there. 
I'm going to go over. I'm going to, I'm not going to say he's going to have like 10, but six, I'll go for six. That's the number I would have put in my head. So I'm going to go over. What's, what's the rookie record for interceptions? Do we have that floating around someplace? Is it, didn't Diggs do something crazy a couple years ago? Was it 10? I'll look it up. Yeah. So uh, while you're looking at it, I'll talk about it. Again, I think it's funny, by the way, you Google it and it gives you a, it gives you a Peyton Manning's rookie record. <laughs> um, so I'll say this. I think, I think he's very talented. I think he's very skilled. I just think it's hard. It's, it's hard to get that many picks. Like you're going to get your hands on a lot of footballs, but you're going to drop a whole bunch. Like even in, even in OTAs so far, he hasn't had an interception yet. He's had a whole bunch of PBUs and great plays on the football, but like, it's just, it's, it's hard. And I, I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe the offense is playing better. They're playing with the lead. He gets more touches on the ball. I just think that's a ton of interceptions. I don't think I've played with anybody who's had even close to that many interceptions. I think Dial had five one year, which is pretty crazy. So I'm going to say under again. Dial once had four in one game, so he, he did have. It was the Bears. I was on that team. Yeah, that was a yes. crazy game. Yeah, yeah. but I'm going to say yeah. under. I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to kind of be everything you want in your first round pick. But um, yeah, I'm going to say under, under five. Uh, by the way, the rookie record fourteen. Whoa, night train. <laughs> Night Train Lane in 1952. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, Dan Sandifer had 12. Paul Krause had, uh, or sorry, Dan Sandifer had 13. Paul Krause had 12. So that's the, those those two were both Washington players. Um, Everson Walls, the Hall of Famer, had 11 for Dallas back in the day. Um, a lot of these are like pre 1990. Uh, Anthony Henry has the most in the 2000s. He had 10 for the Browns wow. in 2001. Um, Jarius Bird had nine for Buffalo in 2009, and then Marcus Peters had eight in 2015. So there's a Kansas there's a precedent. Those are kind for, of the modern guys. There's a yeah. precedent for a lot of interceptions, I guess, by rookie players. But a lot of gambling with those players you just mentioned. I will say a lot of like uh, yeah. guys who take a lot of risk. A lot of guys get give up big plays. Famously, Night Train Lane. I know you've done a lot of film study on him. No, I'm talking about Marcus Peters and Bird and those guys. <laughs> Night Train Lane's a little outside of my uh, my area of expertise. I don't think they even have film for him anymore. Only, uh, only I know, the actual guess we tapes. can find out. Call call up NFL Films. See what they yeah, got. Yeah, see what they got. Dude, I, I, there was a yeah, show. Hey, Jaws, you got any Night Train Lane and, like, film? What they were able to yeah, what they were able to do back then to receivers was crazy. Like, just basically tackle them at the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and it was, like, totally fine. <laughs> so. All right, Nick, let's go Let's go right. one more. One more? All right, let's finish it off with Chase Young, then, because okay. he burst into the NFL with oh. seven and a half sacks in his rookie season, but has only had one and a half sacks in the 12 games he's played since then. Will Young finish with over or under seven and a half in 2023? <sighs> Logan. Uh, I'm going to say, gosh, I'm going to say over. I just think he's going to be on the field a bunch. He's going to be on the field a lot. So he's going to end up with maybe eight or nine, I think. I hope. I think he's going to be hopefully a more disciplined rusher. I think we're going to know very quickly whether he's improved his discipline as a pass rusher. Um, I think he needs to learn how to like rush with the group a little bit more, which is something that's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, especially during this mini camp period, if that's kind of developed even a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to go over just because I think he's trying to get paid and people who want to get paid do crazy things. And I think he's going to have a, a nice big improved year. So 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think that number feels safe to go over as long as he stays healthy. Um, you, you know, it, he's going to be on the field a bunch and and on good defense with a lot of other good players, and he is super talented. So if he can, like Logan said, just do the things that he's supposed to do, he should get that number. Um, if he yeah. tries to do a bunch of crazy stuff, they're going to take him off the field, um, especially because right. he's an expiring like it's not like, hey man, we're trying to develop you for the future. We're like, we're trying to win football games right now. And James Smith Williams and Casey yeah. Two will do what they're supposed to do. Um, so he's got to stay on, he's got to stay disciplined, or he's not going to play. Um, but assuming that he does that, I think he'll he'll hit that number. I think he'll get over seven and a half. That's yeah, and again, that, that's given his recent history. That's a big assumption, but um, I I agree. I, I think I think it's there. So yeah. All right, Nick. Another excellent job. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right. That's Crushed Nick it, Berlansky Nick. with Nick's numbers, everybody. He takes himself out of the Zoom. Uh, we appreciate him and all his hard work, uh, and which we now reward him with, allowing him to come on camera and share some of it with the world, as opposed to just having us regurgitate his ideas and sounding smart ourselves. <laughs> uh, all right. So here's here's what we got for the rest of the week. We got three OTA or three mini camp practices. Um unclear yet when exactly we'll record the pod we might actually you know typically we have something ready for you thursday morning but we might just wait for that thursday practice and then have it out friday so stay tuned um in the meantime obviously uh have coverage on the radio show so check out the hoffman show four to seven each day on the team 980 stream live on the free odyssey app and of course on youtube as well on 980's youtube page uh between now and then if you want to make sure that you get the freshest episode of take command whenever it comes out just subscribe apple Podcasts, spotify the always free odyssey app youtube etc etc and uh we'll see you then and then, then we'll recap it all next week uh and then after the final ota period and then and then Logan, we get to get real creative for the summertime. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh for Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see you. See you next time on Take Command.